All right, let's take out our Bibles and let's go to Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7, we're going to begin there, but we're also just going to kind of make that our launching point uh, off to Luke chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 7, as you're turning there, man, what a blessing it is. Glad you're here. Let me tell you, it's been an incredible week. We've seen God do some great things on Wednesday night, right after prayer meeting, we went out to our new campus, and uh, we were working on with the head electrician, Paul, we were working on how are we going to light the new cross, because, you know, God's blessed us with that 235 acres of land, and one mile on Interstate 4. We own one mile of property on Interstate 4. So you can see it. So I don't know about you, but we want Interstate 4 to see the cross lit up, don't you? So we are work, working on the cross. You know, it was kind of a, a cool, kind of a little bit colder Wednesday night. So I, I, I brought out there my bright orange and gray UT hoodie. So when I got out, I put my orange and gray hoodie on out there, and I, I was standing out there, and the electrician, we've become good friends because we meet all the time together and all that good stuff. So he saw my bright UT and uh, orange and gray hoodie, and we're talking about it. He's giving me a hard time about Florida and all that good stuff. And he says, Pastor, I'll make a deal with you. I said, all right, Paul, what's the deal? He said, I will light this cross for free if one Sunday morning you wear a Florida hoodie and preach in it. So, so I said, Paul, I, I got to add something else to that deal, though. I said, I will do that. Deal, if you will come and watch me preach in the Florida UT hoodie. So, so here's the deal. The cross isn't going to cost us anything to like because I'm going to wear a Florida hoodie one Sunday. Are y'all good with that? And, uh, and we're good that Paul and all those guys will be with us to, um, man, to worship with us and enjoy that. Really, always pray for our construction workers. We're praying that as we're building relationships with all these men that are working on new campus, let's pray a lot of those guys are going to get saved. We're praying that they'll have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we're excited about that. We're excited, you know, we did what we called the turkey run this week. Every family that received toys from uh, the Christmas toy store, we went and delivered a turkey to their house this week. We did it Monday afternoon and Wednesday afternoon. We had uh, made a t uh, we set up a time, hey, what day do you want us to come? So they were all expecting us. And, and I'm telling you what, we almost got every single home covered uh, that were home. And we presented the gospel over and over again. And I've got some great news. We had several people get saved uh, this week just from delivering them a turkey. So we, we celebrate that. And we had some great, great visits. Amy and our kids, they went with us Monday delivering it. And, man, we had some great family visits with those and just inviting them to come. So First Baptist, we, we, make sure when you see new people, be welcoming. Welcome people. Glad that they're here. Love on them. We want them here, don't we? So if we want them here, let's act like we want them here and let's love them much and uh, let's take care of them. All right. 
Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Somebody remind me, this is written how many years before the birth of Jesus? 700 years. And Isaiah chapter 7, who is the king of Judah? Remember, we got the 12 tribes. Ten went to the north. They never had a good king, always had a bad king. They just kind of disappear off the scene. And Judah, they had good kings, bad kings. But in Judah, every single king came through the line of David. In the north, they had all different types of families. It went through the ten tribes of the north. But in the Judah, the two southern tribes, it stayed in the line of David to lead us to Jesus Christ. So in Isaiah chapter 7, who is the king? King Ahaz is the king. They're in a difficult situation. Uh, there's people that are wanting to come and attack them, to come overtake them. So King Ahaz did what you would normally do in your own human nature. He made agreements with other people and agreements with this and agreements with that. Will you come protect us and do all of this? So right in the middle of all of this, Isaiah, the prophet of God, receives a word from God. In the midst of all of this taking place, we're going to see that it's going to be announced about Jesus, the king that's going to come. He's telling the, the nation there to say, you are so focused on how you can make, and King Ahaz, how you can make all these human relationships and figure it out. Hey, but here's the relationship you got to get. You've got to trust God. So I don't know what you're dealing with in life. You might be like King Ahaz and, and all this, a lot going on. You might feel like the enemy's coming at you in 10 different directions. Let me tell you, when you feel like you're under attack from 10 different directions, what do you need to do? You don't have to manipulate God. You don't have to try to humanly figure it out. What you do when you feel like you're getting attacked from everywhere, you get on your knees before a holy, righteous God and you trust God. Do y'all agree with that? I mean, that's what's happening in this text of Scripture. Look what it says in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. We're going to begin there, and then we're going to make our way over to Luke chapter 1. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. So in Isaiah 7, verse 14, it is already telling us some clues about the parents. It's already laying up for us some very important things about the birth of Jesus Christ. So as I, as I think about it, here is our 2018 Christmas challenge. Our 2018 Christmas challenge is that we want to be planted in the person, in the manger, so we can experience the greatest power. It's easy for us to read Isaiah chapter 7 about the son of Jesus that's coming, Emmanuel. It's easy for us to read this in Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2. And it's still so easy for us to get knocked sideways. But when we realize how big a problem, how big a fix that we were in with our sin, 
when we realize our heart condition and we realize in the middle of our heart condition that is evil and wicked in the midst of sin and in the world that God sent his son Jesus in the midst of all of this sin, that God sent his son Jesus in the midst of all this chaos, that Jesus sent that God sent Jesus in the midst of a sinful world to not just to condemn us, but to bring reconciliation between us and God. You want to have a great Christmas. Let me tell you how to have a great Christmas. Remember how big a problem you were in and remember who fixed it and celebrate him. I will guarantee you, you will have a great Christmas and it will be an outstanding Christmas if you realize how big a problem you were and how big a fixer you were in and what Christ did for you. That's why we're making Christ the center of it all. But here's the goal of today. Here's what I want you to focus in on. I want you to make yourself available that you will do whatever God asks of you. Are you willing... Right now, to make yourself available to do whatever God asks you to do. On a scale of 1 to 10, where would you be on that meter? 1, uh, not so available, or or a 10, you're all in, you're available, you belong to God. It's not about you. Whatever God asks, you're available to do. So how available are you to be used of God? So our goal this week, here's what I want you to go to be, as we're putting Christ the center of it all. I want you to lay out before a holy, righteous God and say, God, I am completely available to do whatever you ask me to do. In that, I've got another question. Look at this question that's going to come up on the screen. How many times does God use unlikely people? Have you ever seen God use some unlikely people? I mean, when you look at the history of Christianity, when you look at the history of God's Word, God primarily, I believe, uses people that are unlikely. As a matter of fact, I believe if we talk about Mary, the mother of Jesus, I believe if we brought 10 ladies on stage and said, which one of these would most likely be Mary, the the person that God would choose to carry, the Son of God. If we put 10 ladies on this stage, more than likely we would not have picked who God chose. Aren't you grateful that God just doesn't look at outward appearance, but God looks at the heart? I'm so grateful that we are those unlikely people that God uses. But the question is, are you willing to say, Lord God, I am available, and Lord, whatever you ask me to do, I will do it. Let's look at this In Luke chapter 1, let's look at Luke chapter 1. Let's go all the way to there now. 
We just read this. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So now you have just turned from Isaiah chapter 7 to Luke chapter 1 all the way to verse 26. You just skipped 700 years of time. Quick 700 years, wasn't it? Did you enjoy those 700 years? I hope they were good for you. And Luke chapter 1, verse 26, we're going to pick up there how God is going to use somebody that is so unlikely to be used to be the mother of Jesus. So number one, write this down, the big reveal. It's revealing to us the parents, and the parents, of course, are Mary and Joseph, and we're going to see this. Look at verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel. We have marked that word angel on Wednesday nights. I, I've been preaching about angels and demons. We know that throughout Scripture, you see God use angels. Angels are God's messengers that come and minister to us. We see that angels came and ministered even in the life of Jesus. When you study about Abraham, you see angels. When you study about Moses, you see angels. When you study about Gideon, you see angels. When you study about David, you see angels. When you study about Ezekiel, you'll see angels. When you study about Hosea, you see angels. When you say about Zechariah, you see angels. When you talk about Job, you see angels. When you talk about David, you see angels. When you talk about Philip, you see angels. When you talk about Peter, you see angels. When you talk about Paul, you see angels. When you talk about James, you see angels. Angels. When you talk about John, you see angels. And when you talk about Mary and Joseph, you see angels. As a matter of fact, doesn't the Scripture tell us that at times, be careful because you might be entertaining angels. As a matter of fact, I, I firmly believe at some point in time in our life, you have entertained an angel. I believe at some time that God used an angel to be a messenger in your life. At some point in time, I believe it, and God used an, an angel to come and minister to your soul, and you didn't even realize it. I mean, there's 66 books in the Bible 34 books in the Bible talk about angels. There's 17 books in the Old Testament and 17 books in the New Testament that talk about angels. This is an incredible moment, but as it talks about angels, are we to ever worship angels? No, whatever you do, don't ever worship angels. Some people get, I mean, just caught up on angels, and you see angels all over their house, and angels this and angels this. Man, God uses angels, but whatever we do, we don't worship the angels. I mean, we see even angels involved in the seven churches of Revelation, in Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 3, that every single one of the seven churches said the angel, the messenger. I don't know about you, but would you have liked to be there when the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Nazareth? Would you have liked to have been there? What a moment that must have been as Mary is just doing her daily task. Hold on. Let's stop right there. Let's camp there just a minute. I want you to get this. Mary was just doing her ordinary daily task, and God interrupted it. 
So many times we are wanting, God, we want to see this powerful moment. We want to see this happen. Can I tell you, if you look in the Scripture, so many times they were just doing a daily, ordinary task. That's why the Scripture says, whatever you do, whatever you drink, whatever you eat, whatever you do, we're doing it all for what? The glory of God. Here's Mary doing a daily task, daily life, then all of a sudden, it was interrupted by an angel. It was interrupted by a, a message of God that God had. But what does it tell us again in verse 29? I mean, verse 26, where did the angel come and meet Mary? Where was Mary? She was in what place? Nazareth. All right, let's just stop and think a moment. Let's put, if we could list all of the cities of Israel, you know, you can find out all the time the top 10 cities to live in the United States of America, the fastest growing cities and all that. So let, let's put, where would Nazareth have been if, if we just listed the top 10 cities of Israel? Let me ask you, would, would Nazareth been on the top of that list or the bottom of the list? Very bottom. I mean, it was uh, Nazareth unclean. It was a mixture of Jews and Gentiles. Remember what they said about Jesus. Remember, Jesus came from Nazareth, and they said, Can anything what? Good come from Nazareth. Unlikely. Please hear me. God specializes in using the unlikely. So what's your excuse been that God can't use you? What excuse are you using that God can't use you? But God, I, I was born in this city. I said, well, I know. I had you born there. But, but God, you don't know my family history. You don't know all my, my past. Look at this statement. Mary was used by God because she was usable. Mary was used by God because she was usable. How was she usable when we, when we think about Mary? People kind of go the two extremes about Mary. Some people really magnify Mary. Have you ever been around that person that just magnifies Mary? And I mean, they worship Mary. They, they, they make such a huge, huge deal about Mary. Why do they make a, such a big deal? Why do they magnify Mary? Because let me tell you, I've been in countries where they have just magnified Mary and, and they just set her as such on a pedestal. And they, I mean, it's just like they worship her. And I've watched them say, I'm going to pray to Mary. And I asked one, they said, why are you praying to Mary? And here's their answer. They said, I'm praying to Mary because Mary is going to take that prayer request to Jesus. And there's no way that Jesus is going to tell his mother, Mary, no. 
So what we do, I'm going to pray to Mary, and then Mary is going to go and make that request to Jesus. I mean, there's a lot of religious organizations that we will see. They, They make a big deal about Mary. They magnify Mary. Was Mary sinless? No. Did Mary need to experience the grace of God? Let me show it to you. Look over in Luke chapter 1. Look at verse 47. This is the song of Mary. And I'm just going to show you. God used Mary not because she was sinless, God used Mary, not because she was full of grace, but she needed grace. God used Mary because of her humility, and she knew she needed a Savior. The moment you don't think that you need God, the moment you don't think you need a Savior, the moment you think you're not that bad, you're in trouble. Look what it says in verse 47. And my, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. Mary was usable by God because she saw she had a need for a Savior. Mary was one that lived a a life of humility. Some people, though, they magnify Mary. Let me tell you how bad some places magnify Mary. In the country of Malta that I've been many times on mission trips, and there's a little island right off of Malta called Gozo. And you ride a ferry from Malta to Gozo, and you, you get off the ferry at Gozo. I mean, John Robert and I have done all the journey through there on mission trip. And you go through Gozo, and you wander around through that little island of Gozo, and they, they take you to a church there. And that church and Gozo, they so magnify Mary. And here's what they believe. They believe that Mary had visited that site. They believe at some point in time in that little country of Malta, in the little island of Gozo, that, that Mary came and made an appearance there. So they built this church there, and people come all around the world. And as you walk in that church, there's one whole hallway, and it's crutches and wheelchairs and all kinds of medical equipment that people travel there, and they come, and they believe that Mary can heal them. You walk in the church, and your your spirit does not agree with that at all. Whatever we do, we don't magnify Mary. She was a sinner and she needed grace. So let me ask this next question about Mary and Joseph. After Jesus Christ was born, did Joseph and Mary have children? Yes. We don't... magnify Mary, we magnify the Jesus 
who used Mary. We magnify the Jesus who was her Savior. Look at this text of Scripture again in Luke chapter 1. This is beautiful. Look what it says, and I want you to ask, why her? Why her? Look at verse 27. To a virgin. That is a very important, to a virgin. We see that all the way back in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. This will be assigned to you, a virgin. The Savior came through a virgin. If the Savior did not come through a virgin, then the Savior would not be sinless. When somebody says the virgin birth is not that big a deal, yes, for our salvation and for our forgiveness and us being right with God, it is important that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. And notice what it says in verse 27, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. Now, about Joseph, how many words in the Bible are recorded that Joseph says? How many words, when you read the New Testament, how many words does it talk about Joseph? How many words did he say? How many? Zero. So, so if, you ever, if you ever get picked to be Joseph in the Christmas play, don't expect a lot of lines. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Verse 28, and I want you to mark this, this is special. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Highly favored one. Why Mary? Have you ever been in a job situation and somebody else gets promoted and you didn't get promoted and you say, why them? Have you ever had that friend that you grew up with and you go see them and they got the monstrous house, they have it all and you say, why them? Have you ever... Been looking at another family, and you think that other family's got it all together. And say, why them? You might look at this text of Scripture in this verse of Scripture in verse 20. Why Mary? But what does it tell us in verse 28 again? And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. The Scripture says that she was highly favored. Because she was highly favored, does that mean she was not going to experience any trouble? When you think about Mary being highly favored, can you think about this? She is the only 
person in the world that can say, I was there at the birth and I was there at the death of Jesus. Nobody else in the entire world. Joseph can't say that because Joseph had already stepped into eternity at the death of Jesus. I mean, only Mary who found favor with God could say, I was there at his birth and I was there at his death. But it doesn't mean that it was easy. Sometimes we have this idea, man, if we're favored with God and these things are all good, then it's going to be easy. God's hand can be resting upon us and it will be difficult. Look what the scripture goes on to say in this verse 28. And having come into the angel, said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled. Could you imagine ladies just doing a daily routine? You're a young teenage girl, and all of a sudden the angel comes and says, you're highly favored. Hey, God has chosen you. Would you be troubled? Could you imagine if you're Joseph on the other side? Joseph, you're engaged, and this is going to happen, and all of a sudden you're like, hey, she's pregnant. Matthew chapter 1 tells us about Joseph. Joseph was a just man. Because Joseph was a just man when he found out about Mary. You know what? He didn't just respond instantly. You know what the scripture says about Joseph? Because he was a just man. He pondered those things. He thought about those things. In the midst of thinking about those things, then the angel was sent to him to speak to him. Can I tell you about Joseph? We can learn in the middle of chaos, in the middle of something new happening, in the middle of something new, Joseph did not panic and anger. Joseph did not go immediately and respond. What did he do? He was still. In the middle of his stillness, God sent the angel and reassured Joseph. I want you to write down these couple of statements. What does the favor of God mean? It means God Almighty has laid his hand upon your life and he's going to use you for his eternal purposes. I love this statement. God's favor isn't easy, but God's favor is good. It means you've put all your, your hope in the right place. Mary found favor with God. Because she was available with a right heart. So here's the invitation. Here's the challenge of the week. Make yourself available. God and be willing to do whatever he asks. So here's going to be our prayer for the invitation. Are you willing to make yourself available before God and do whatever he asks? 
let's just stop and be trained. How many of you does that scare you just a little bit that in just a minute I'm going to ask you to pray? God, my life is available for you, and Lord, I will do whatever you ask. Does any of that, does, does that scare any of y'all in this room? Yeah. I've got some good news, my friend that Amy and I have been with uh, quite a few times, the Blackaby families with Henry Blackaby. Henry Blackaby and all of his experiences. Just remember this, who God calls, he equips, and who God equips, he uses. So here's what we're asking. We're just making ourselves available for God and saying, God, we humble ourselves that we need a Savior, and it's only you. We humble ourselves and say, God, we are available to you, and God, we are willing to do whatever you ask. We're willing to say that we hold the resources of our life in our hands and not our heart. We're saying, Lord, the resources of everything that you bless with me and whatever, God, I hold them in my hands and God, you can take them and use them in any way that you see fit. They're yours. I can't tell you how many times in my life that I have just gotten laid down flat on the ground before God and just say, God, I'm available. And God, I'll do whatever you ask. God's used some unlikely people and a Joseph and a Mary. We can be those unlikely people. God, we're available. Do whatever you wish for the glory of God. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you use unlikely people. Thank you for using people like a Mary. Thank you, Lord, for using a person like a Joseph. And Lord, I pray across this room that we will say this morning, Lord, my life is available to you because my life now belongs to you. And Lord, By your grace and by your grace alone and by your empowerment, by the gift of the Holy Spirit, God, I'll do whatever you ask. Can that be your prayer? Are you willing? In just a moment, I'm going to invite you to the altar and get on your knees before God and just say, God, I'm available. And by your grace and by your empowerment of the Holy Spirit of God, God, I'll do whatever you ask. 
And I want to remind you, God's got a, a future and a hope for you. God, God, God's a good God. God's a God that wants to bless you. God's a God that wants to use your life. So I'm going to finish this prayer. We're going to stand. Ken's going to lead us. And I'm going to ask you with boldness today, just come to the altar and say, Lord, my life is available to you. And by your grace and by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit of God, my prayer is I'll do whatever you ask. Lord God, thank you that you use unlikely people. And Lord, I pray that this morning we will come and say, Lord, we're available. And by your grace, by the power of the Holy Spirit of God, Lord, we want to do whatever you ask. And God, may you use us for the kingdom of God. God, I pray that this morning we'll take that step of faith. In Christ's name, amen.